Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed Season 10 of The Deep. Just a note to let you know that seasons will now be eight episodes long. But don't worry, I am reposting some of my absolute favourite episodes, like this one, so you'll never be short of something to listen to. You can also subscribe to The Deeper Membership where I post a new episode every fortnight, even when we're on break. That never, ever stops. There's links in the show notes to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Android. We'll be back with Season 11 in January. See you then, and I hope you enjoy this episode, one of my favourites, from the archives. When you get to a certain age in care, people don't want to take care of you because you're not classified as cute, sort of like you're not classified as mouldable into that sort of their society, into their way of life. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I met Charlie through work. He's outgoing, funny, warm and charming. Within the first three minutes of us meeting, he shared his story with me. What it was like being kicked out of home at 12 and growing up as a foster kid. Many homes, many families, but no real connection or love. Charlie believes it's important his story is heard, that these kids have a voice. Not once does his voice waver. He's strong, resilient, and a survivor. I can see what huge walls had to be created for this little boy to cope. Charlie will open your eyes to those kids deemed troubled. Content warning. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. Charlie, you have survived the foster system. Thrived, actually, I would like to say. Um, Can you talk to me about the early parts of your life? Because you have a truly unique story. I grew up with my parents up until I was 12. Like the whole experience, it is very, um, very, very upsetting for people to hear. Like my parents were always fighting. I was always getting abused by my parents, both mentally and physically in the end. Um, It was hard as a kid, like growing up and feeling that toxicity from especially my mother, um, because my dad, he was a beautiful guy and he loved me so much and it was amazing. He was my favourite person in the world. Mm. Um, but with my mum, I always felt like there was this level of disgust towards me that she never appreciated me. Did you feel that from a small child? Like From a small child, yeah. At what age do you remember feeling like this woman doesn't like me much? Ever since I can remember. Like ever since I can remember. I never understood why. I found out in later years as to why there might be a reasoning to behind it. But you grew up little. I just... grew up little. Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. Yes, I have two older siblings and two younger siblings, so I'm actually the middle child. And you felt there was a difference was... in how she was to you and yeah. the other children Ever without understanding? Without understanding. I was always made out to be a problem. Um, every fight that ever occurred in the house was obtaining me like it was about me 
between my parents every fight. Um, every time there would be an argument between brothers and sisters, I would always get in trouble. I got the most, I was like belted constantly as a kid mm. and stuff, which is so upsetting. Like, obviously I would never do that. But um, it was the most upsetting thing, like being just treated like you weren't a part of a family with all your brothers and sisters, like you're all related to them and stuff, but you, you're not one, like you're not a part of it was always upsetting. I was always like made to feel like I'm less than as a human. Like mm-hmm. even as a young child, even as a young child, I was never accepted for who I am, for the things that I liked. Like my mum never ever like hugged me. Like she never wanted to have that connection with me, which was upsetting as a kid. And obviously I would retaliate in the sense of like doing shitty things. Like I would always cause fights with my brothers and sisters and stuff. But like to me, like when I was a kid, any attention from my parents was good. Any Mm -hmm. attention from my mum was good. Like I remember like I'm half deaf in one ear because I stuck a battery in my ear when I was 12. (gasps) Like it's very bad. Um, I stuck a battery in my ear when I was 12 because obviously if I can do something to get an attention from my parents, then I felt good no being noticed in the house oh. which was really upsetting as a kid like if you like if I think about it now like it was it probably is not the best childhood ever like it's definitely not the worst in the world but it's definitely not a great thing to grow up constantly wondering why you're so hated as a kid because this is this is what is really interesting about you Charlie is you grew up with this family unit until you were 12 yeah so I want to talk about from zero to 12, what was that experience like for you and what do you feel like your siblings felt in comparison to that? For me, like obviously like in my childhood there was like great moments, like there's obviously moments that I cherish and I will love like with my family, but there was always those deep moments that like internally destroy you as a kid which isn't a great thing to grow up like all I can remember constantly is like always fighting always always never feeling loved in my whole household um my brothers and sisters I know my younger sister the one that's younger than me but not the youngest she we had a great connection like we always had a great connection I unfortunately don't talk to her now um but we were always very tight but my older brothers and sisters, they didn't like me at all. Like, my younger sister, they didn't like me. Like, my mum heavily influenced them to not like me, which is upsetting. So do you have an example of something that she may have said or had done that is an obvious act of you are different? Um, well, she would always call me, like, a rebirth Satan. Like, she honestly would call me, like, Satan. Um there was like there's multiple things like trying to think about it now like it's hard like to reminisce on those things because it was so long ago um but I was always just put down I was always told that I wasn't worth it I was always told that I'm like a disappointment and stuff like that and like obviously I'd see my brothers and sisters having the best life ever and I even my pop on my mum's side like my whole family like they all hated me like I don't talk to any of my family at all just due to the fact that my mum, like, I feel like my mum was so manipulative as well. Like, she was one of the most laziest people. Like, we were treated like actual slaves. Like, I remember one night we were up until 2 o'clock in the morning scrubbing the house clean. As children? As children, while my mum sat on the lounge. Like, we had this massive, like, chase lounge, and, like, obviously she sat there all the time that there was a massive divot in it. 
Um, and we were literally like, she never cooked. My older sister cooked. Um, we cleaned, we scrubbed the walls and everything. And obviously growing up playing like that, I didn't, I didn't respect that. Like obviously never respected her for the way she treated me. So obviously there was like a lot of conflict there between us two. But just because all my brothers and sisters like were okay with the way she was treating us, she obviously connected with them easier. Um, I remember when I did go into care, my auntie told me when I was two, like when I was two years old that my mum was actually going to get rid of me. Like she was going to give me away when I was two, but she hated my dad's side of the family. So she decided that instead of giving me to my nan, she would rather just keep me. In spite. In spite. In spite. Yeah. I, I need to know why you were targeted. That question is unknown to me. Like I have these reasons, like I have these thoughts in my head as to why possibly. Like I think as a two-year-old, you're barely crawling, like you're barely even speaking. Like how can you be such a disruptive child when you're two? I think, um, uh, and when I was growing up, it, it comes into my head now that I think about it. Like, I would always say, oh, I look like my dad and stuff. And she would like, no, you don't. You look nothing like him. Like, she never wanted me to connect with my dad. And so I have a feeling, like, just me personally, I have a feeling that I might not actually be my father's biological son. Wow. Yeah. Did she say that? She's never said that. I haven't spoken to her since I was 12. She completely erased me from her life. Like, when I got into care, like, she got into new relationships. They don't even know about me. She burnt every item that I ever owned. Like, I only have one photo of me, and it's a screenshot of a baby photo of me, which is upsetting because, like, one day I would love to show my kids who I was when I was a kid, but I'll never get that opportunity to. And I don't know. Like, I just have that feeling. Like, it's it's odd because, like, all my brothers and sisters were born in the same hospital. I was born in a completely different hospital, which obviously is just a small thing, but... It's like constantly being told that I have no resemblance to my father and stuff like that. Obviously, back then, I'd never thought anything of it. But now I'm like, if she was going to give me away when I was two, if she resented me so much as a child, what's her reasoning as to why? Like, you can't resent one child out of five. Mm. Like, if you have five kids, you can't just get rid of one for because he's a bad kid. Well, this is my question. How do you say... I don't want my kid anymore at 12. How mm. do you how do you have five children and just go like isn't that illegal? No. I don't think so. I, I'm not sure, I'm not quite too sure. She dropped me off, like they dropped me off because like when I was getting to like like when I was 12 years old, I ended up breaking my parents up. And I told my dad, like, we, me and my dad had a plan to, like, leave. And I said to him, I was like, can you take me with you? Like, I don't want to be here. Like, I'm, like, I hate it here. Like, I literally hate my life here. And he's like, yeah, I'll take you. And then one day I came home from school and I, my mum started screaming at me. Like, I was in the kitchen. She started screaming at me. She grabbed a wooden spoon and started belting me with it. And I turned around and I, like, kicked her in the gut. Obviously, I shouldn't do that, but... Um, and then I ran, like, I literally ran down the street and, like, I ran to someone's house and I just broke down and mm. I was like, help me, like, I need, like, to get away. And these people took me into their family, like, into their house. And then um, my mum ended up, like, the police ended up coming and stuff. And then when I came back, um, they're like... My mum was like, I don't want him in my house. Like, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want him to come into my house whatsoever. So my dad ended up having to get me because he left without taking me. 
And so I was sort of like, I was sort of angry at him. I was like, why would you do that? Like we had a plan that you were going to take me with you, but you left and you left me here to deal with this on my own, even though he knew how much I was hated in that family. And then we ended up living together in like a, um, a trailer park, like a caravan park sort of thing when I was a kid. And I got to that point where I was like, I don't want to go to school. Like, I don't want to do anything. Like, I was so emotionally distraught that I just stayed and watched TV all day. Like, I could probably recite the whole Channel 11 TV series of what times every show comes on. Like, Charmed came on at 12. Like, I knew that. (laughs) But, um, like, I never did anything. Um, I would leave the house a mess because I was just so broken as a kid. Mm. I was like, I don't want to go to school. I ended up having, like, I think two terms missed of school. Like I would call my dad and I'm like, I feel sick. And he would like write me a letter. And then I'll just add like four more days onto that letter just so I could stay home. Um, And then my mum and dad slowly started to get back together while we were staying Mm. in this caravan park. And I obviously didn't want that to happen. And then I remember I ended up having to move back into the house of where I grew up. And my mum would make, my mum always said that I had a problem. She's like, you have psychological problems and stuff. Like I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was younger and I was on the meds for a little bit, but then they took me off it. But um, she ended up downloading this like thing on my like iPod and like it would like hypnotise you while you were going to sleep sort of thing. But she was making me sleep in the lounge room, not on the lounge room, in the dining room on the floor like on the hardwood floor and I would just sleep on top of a blanket and a pillow because I used to share a bedroom with my brother but she cut our bunk beds and cut my bed off got rid of all my stuff and I was not allowed to share my room that used to be my room um and so I was sleeping on the floor for like two weeks oh. as a kid as 12, 12 years old and then um my dad ended up going to work one day and I remember like we were cleaning like obviously as we usually would because you know we were little Cinderella's trapped in a story. Um, and so we were pulled, I pulled apart this chase lounge and you know how they have like the metal connection bits mm. um, and we were vacuuming it and I got distracted. Obviously my ADHD came up and um, I got distracted and I was playing with this beach ball. My sister ended up coming running and she's like, no, that's mine. And I was like, what? Like, okay. And then she fell. Supposedly everybody said that I tripped her, but I never touched her. She fell into the metal slat and like obviously hurt herself. And my mum came and started screaming at me. And then she's like, if you ever do anything to one of my kids again, I'm going to get rid of you. But like referring to those kids as her own, like I'm not one of them. And so I turned around and I smashed a massive hole in the wall. Like, cause obviously I didn't know like my own emotion. Mm. So I just smashed this massive hole into the wall. And then I ended up getting locked outside in the rain for three hours while my dad was at work. And um, I ended up, well, not three hours because I ended up sneaking back in because I left a door unlocked. But um, I was just like, I think I got to that point where I was like, I was over it. I was like over all this shit that I had to go through. And I ended up standing in front of the hallway, like after sneaking back in. And I was, it makes me laugh because it's such a cunty thing to say. And I just turned around. I'm like, oh, oops, look, it's like someone forgot to lock a door (laughs) in front of everyone. Even though I had been locked outside for causing so much drama. And I'm just like, here we go. And then my mum's like, get him. And then my brother and sister held me against the wall. And my older sister smashed me in the nose. So I was outside like bleeding and everything for like another hour or so until my dad got home they literally left and went and did the groceries while I was locked outside um and then like 
it's the saddest part. Like when I ended up, my dad ended up coming home and then we ended up going to bed and stuff. And then he woke me up early in the morning and he's like, oh, you need to pack a bag. And I was like, oh, why? And he's like, oh, we're just going, like, you just need to pack a bag. And I was like, okay. So I packed a bag. Um, my baby sister came with me and um, they drove me to a carer's cottage in Sydney. And then they sort of, like, I obviously was oblivious to what was going on. Like, I was young. I didn't know why the hell I was there. And um, they sat down and had, like, a meeting with my mum and then my dad, me, and, like, the people we walked around and they were showing me around this place. And they showed me this room and they're like, oh, this will be your room from now on and stuff. And obviously I'm still confused. Like, I know my mum said she'll get rid of me, but I didn't think she would take it so literally. And um, I remember they ended up signing me over to the carer's cottage where they took care of me. And when we were leaving, um, my little sister gave me this, like, Christmas bear that I gave her for Christmas once. And that broke me. Like, I was an emotional wreck because of that. And then I was saying goodbye to everyone. Like, I gave my sister a hug, my dad a hug, but my mum didn't even hug me. Like, never hugged me goodbye. And then I just spent the next few days, like, the next few weeks just in bed, just, like, broken because I didn't know what to do. Like, my family had abandoned me. Um, and, like, I think that's the hardest thing is, like, I live with those people for so long and then I know that they are my family. For them just to get rid of me, I was so confused. Like, I never understood why. I still, to this day, never understand why that, that happened. Um, I ended up going, th like, moving around a lot. Like, I moved to, like, Bathurst, to Ulladulla. Like, I moved around a lot, like, eight times oh, from growing up. And um, the people that I would move in with, they would always say, oh, like you're too like unbehaved and stuff you're too much of an emotional wreck but it's sort of like if you think about it when you're 12 you have an understanding of your family you have an understanding of how life sort of works so to be able like to go into somebody else's home and try and act like they're your family it doesn't work it doesn't make sense to you so obviously you're going to do things that they don't understand and you're going to be an emotional wreck and hide in your room for two weeks and they won't understand why because you've been ripped away from the people that you grew up with mm. and I ended up moving so many times and like lived with so many people a lot of the people were only there for the money a lot of the people did generally want to make a connection but I was so stubborn I couldn't open my heart up to those people yeah um, which I still some days like find struggle with now, like being able to fully trust people and fully put myself out to people because like I'm an, I'm an outgoing person, like I'm very, ex I'm an extrovert and stuff like that. But to be able to deep down be emotionally trust people is very hard for me. Can I ask about your dad? Yeah. Saw this behaviour yeah. throughout his child's life. Yeah. Did he question your mum? Did he stand no. up for you? No. Oh, he stood up for me. That's what most of those fights were about. But um, he never questioned my mum. My mum sort of, like, had him under whip sort of thing. Like, that's why I inevitably did get, like, did get rid of me because he was. she was like, you can either have him or you can have your family. He, she gave an ultimatum to, him to your dad. About keeping me or having a whole family. Like, oh. she was very narcissistic, very... Like, everything she did was ill-wit, like, very malicious and stuff. Like, she controlled him. 
like she would never lay a finger on us, but she would get our dad to belt us. Really? Yeah, I was belted. I think one night I was belted up until like one a.m. And I would go to school and I would show the like there was reports and stuff because I've like looked at my case file a little bit. I've never ordered it because I don't think I'd be okay reading it. Um, but like even the school made complaints to docs and stuff about being us being belted mm. and stuff. Do you mean on the body, on the yeah. face? I was I was belted on the ass. I belted on my hands. Forced to eat soap when I was a kid. Um, we were always getting abused as children. Like all my brothers and sisters were as well. But um, I think once they got older, they stopped it. It was mainly me and my younger sister that got it the most. Like I remember nights where I couldn't even sit down in the bath because I was so heavily bruised because of it. Um, like there was so much that went on and it's so like heartbreaking for people. Um, but yeah, like even the teachers try to help us, but obviously nothing got done about it. Um, I remember my sister, like we were so, such troubled kids because of what we grew up in. Mm. Um, like I remember my sister took a knife to school. Like there was so much <sighs> that had happened in our life that we were troubled as kids. And obviously that reflected when we got home, like we were so upset and when we did get home, we obviously weren't behaving because we were already in shit sort of yeah, thing. it's like this cycle. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point trying to be good because you slip up one time and you get your ass whooped. Like, that's not great. I, it's You're saying tr- you're troubled kids, but I would replace that with your traumaed kids. Traumaed, yeah. The, you haven't even had a chance. Mm. You're but, not doing this because you... Are, are, want some shits and giggles you're doing this because you are so lonely and you're so neglected and harmed yeah we were heavily neglected like like christmas and stuff like obviously that crap came around and we were spoiled but it never made up for what we had endeavored throughout every experience every waking moment of every day like everything we ever copped like, it was the worst thing ever. What about extended family or family friends? Did nobody see and intervene or...? My auntie did. Like, my auntie on my dad's side. I didn't even know I had an auntie until I was 10. Like, we didn't know that we had a whole side of our dad's side until our pop unfortunately passed away. Um, and then they contacted our dad and said, oh, like, your father passed away. And that's how we found out we had an auntie. Like, we never knew because my mum hated my dad's side of the family. She never wanted us to have anything to do with them. Um, and so my auntie, I would I would go up to my auntie's every school holidays just to get away. Mm. And so she was my main support, like, while I was growing up. Um and so I'd always, I lived with her in care as well. Like the, the, she was the first person I actually lived with while I was wow. in care. But it was so hard because she would feed me all this crap about my parents as well. And then I'm like, I'm confused. Like my heart's at home, but I'm hearing all this crap. And it's sort of like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do in that situation. So like I screwed up and I accidentally sprayed a whole bottle of red hair dye all over the roof. Um and then she ended up getting rid of me because I was like, I don't want to live here. Like, you're confusing me. Like, I just want to go. I wanted to go home. The whole yeah. time I was in care, I just wanted to go home. And you want... That's so hard to understand. But I guess as a child, when you're so used to something... That, that you just want it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like I was so like you hated as bad, it. Yeah, I hated it, but I wanted to go back. Yeah. And that's like it's so fucked up in a sense. Like I hated it so much, and I was getting so so broken and so destroyed as a person. But I still wanted to go back. Like it doesn't make sense to me, but um, yeah. I I never went back. I ended up having a few visits with them, but then that stopped that same year. Did you ask for them or did they ask for them? I asked for them. Like, obviously, I wanted to see my family. Like, my dad tried to fight and try and um, get the visits for me as well. But then my mum's like, I don't want him around my kids. Like, I don't want him anywhere. Like, she just wanted to get, just wanted to forget (sighs) about me. And I remember, like, my dad didn't even go, like, because we had court cases throughout it. I never went to any of them, like, I think because I was too young. Um, But my dad never went to the last one. Like, and it broke me, like, when I found out that my dad couldn't even be bothered to attend my last court case to fight for me because my mum was like, yeah, get rid of him, who cares? But my dad was still trying to put up a fight. And so for him not to show up to the last case broke me. Like, I was like you're supposed to be, like, the one person here to fight for me. Like, my dad would go out of his way, like, after work and come see me while I was in, like, these carers' places and stuff like that. He would always send me money. Like, he would always be there for me. Mm. And then for that final chance, he wasn't there. And so that broke me more than anything because I was like, you're supposed to be, like, the one person that actually wants to help me. I just um, feel very angry for you (laughs) I do and I feel very sad for you um I feel like there is a stereotype that goes with the foster system um how would you describe that from your personal well there is a hundred percent there is um when you get to a certain age in care, people don't want to take care of you because you're not classified as cute, sort of like you're not classified as moldable into that sort of their society, into their light way of life. So um, they look at you, they look at you like they look at you as like a feral. Um, and there are like, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of troubled kids in the foster system, but I think they just haven't found that switch between doing better for themselves and then blaming everybody else for everything that happens. And I I really hear that because I'm assuming some of those children that are disruptive are dealing with similar traumas that, to, you, yeah. to that you went through yeah. and aren't managing them. The way I would say I did, if, in a sense. Yeah, even yeah. though you believe that you had moments of flipping out or whatever naturally... Mm. For me, I go, oh, God, I get it. Like, of course they're not integrating normally, whatever that even means, because how? Yeah. How do you go? No one's there to show them. How? No one's there to teach them. And that's the unfortunate thing is that they do mess up and then they get put into that stigma where they are ferals, which Unhelpable or something. Unhelpable, yeah. and so then people don't want to take care of them and then they get trapped in that system and then the system breaks them continuously <sighs> where when they come out they don't succeed they don't they don't show anything better for themselves yeah which is unfortunate i want to talk on that point then about a system which is trying to save children but a system that is sometimes failing children 
I would say more so that not sometimes, they fail generally a lot. Like my experience, not saying that it's the worst, but it's definitely not the best. Like you get treated as a number, like, and these are kids. And that's the thing that I think they need to understand. Like these are the kids that are going to set out generations for us, that are going to continue this world on when we're not here or when they're not there. And so for them to be treated as a number, have they don't get respected either. Like, I know in my situation that my case file wasn't even filled out. Like, I've lost half my case file. So they're not there for those kids. And I think when you're a child, you need someone to be attentive to you. you it's not saying that they need to be, like, tied down and be there 24-7, but you need to be able to rely on someone because you've lost those people that you were supposed to rely on. So, and I get it. I get that there's a lot of kids in the system and I get that there are a lot of people that are trying to help and people, case managers might have six kids at a time, mm. but they still need to put their heart into it. Like a lot of the time, like when I was a kid, like um, when I was in the care system, people that showed emotion and people that showed that they wanted to be there for you, not because of the money, but to for generally be there for you, they would get in trouble for that. Like the... Are you saying there was a boundary put in? A boundary, yeah. By the system? By the system, by the NGOs. Like, so. What does that mean? An NGO, so it's a non government organisation. Mm-hmm. So you have like Lifestyle Solutions, you have Bernardo's, you have uh-huh. a lot of places. So you have FACS, or I think it's DOCS, I'm not quite too sure which one it is now. That is the generalised foster care system. But then you have non government organisations that take care of the kids because obviously FACS can't take all the numbers. Mm-hmm. So you get set, you get pushed into these like companies sort of thing. And you're saying that your experience was when someone tried to get close with you. Yeah, they they don't like it. Someone pulled them back from yeah. you. You can't get close and to the kids. Why? I I I don't know. I I I never understood it. Like because as a kid, that's all you want. You want someone to be there for you because it's obviously hard. Like when you're going to school, it's hard to make friends and stuff as well because. Everybody in your life that you grew up with is gone. And so trying to rebuild that. And when you find somebody that is generally wanting to be there for you, like it's a good thing for kids. Like it shows them that they, it gives them optimism. It gives them hope sort of thing that yeah. they are a good kid and that yeah. things can get better for them. And for them to take that away from you sort of breaks you, like doesn't break you down because you know that there is hope for you but it sort of confuses you and it sort of makes you feel like you're not worthy of it again. Again and again and again. again. Yeah. Like I had multiple times there were people that I got really close with and then they couldn't be my caseworker or then they had to move along to something else or they um, they ended up putting this one lady that I used to work with, they ended up um, putting her under investigation sort of thing because like obviously we were too close sort of thing. Like, they never wanted her to do shifts, like, because I ended up, like, the last five years of me being in a care system, I was in a group home with kids with severe autism and stuff like that, which is very, which isn't a right place for me to be in. Do you mind if we talk about group housing? Because I feel like this is another topic. Oh, it's a massive one. Can we, can we go back there? They are something. <laughs> they are definitely something. I think the first two, like the so the first group home I lived in, I lived in there twice. So I went back and forth between the both of them. Um, and the one lady that I got along with was there. So it was always my support there. So I felt very supported there. Um, but I think 
towards the end of being in care. I think I might have been 16 or so. So obviously I was at an age where no one would want to take me. I think maybe 16. I ended up moving and they. I think it was very wrong of the system itself to have placed me in this place as... Um, like I don't have, I'm not on the spectrum or things like that in that sense, but they placed me in a place with kids that were severely autistic and were on the spectrum and stuff. So for me to witness all of that, it was, it was shocking. Like I had never ever once had to deal with instances that were going on in this house. Like kids were having these massive breakdowns. A lot of them weren't verbal either. Um, They were throwing things, smashing places. Like there was one time it was so gross like it's unfortunate like as to what they're going through but for me to witness it myself I was terrified like I was shocked and so I came home and this kid was like running around smearing his like crap everywhere Mm. and like for me to witness that I'm like I'm coming back from school like I've had a great day and coming home to that I just locked myself in my room so yeah and I'm not saying that like I don't care or like I have no empathy for it. Like I understand and I get it. Like a lot of the kids, they just want to be treated the same and they they want to they want a voice because they can't speak for themselves. So it's very upsetting in that side. And I have empathy for them, but I didn't like being confronted with all of that day in day out. I would hear people screaming. I'd hear windows smashing. I would hear arguments. I would hear a lot of things. So in this home, how many children? So it changed. It fluctuated. I was there for about two years. There was nowhere else for me to go. And because I had started high school there, I would have I was at a really good school and stuff. So I wanted to stay at the school, but there was nowhere for me to even go to. And those four kids would rotate in rotate. and out? Yep. So it would rotate with someone that had, say, cerebral palsy where they were okay, like they were fine. Um, obviously they were a bit delayed in like some, um, some situations, um, or you would have kids that were not verbal with autism, or you would have kids with different manic bipolar, like massive, massive throat tantrums and stuff. And they would always rotate. It would always rotate between behaviors and how severe or how easy they were to manage. So can we talk about... The first home was with your aunt? Yeah. How long was that stay? I think, like, if I can try and think back, I think maybe three months, maybe two months even. Oh, it was quick. It was was quick. And what happens, like, so you say I want to leave or she says it's not working and then what happens? They, um, they, I think they give you, like, a day time frame sort of thing and then they sort of um, take you on to the next place. They have to sort of suss out a next place for you. A lot of the time, if it is a quick notice thing, they will put you into a group home. They'll put you into, like, a um, short stay home. Mm-hmm. What was next for you? I ended up going to a short stay home in Kellyville. Is it, that, sorry to interrupt, one family? No, so it's a group home. Okay, group yep. home. So it's a group home, but they classify it as a short stay. Like you can only, I think the maximum there is you can stay there is for eight weeks. And then? And then you move on. Like they in that eight weeks, they try and find you somewhere. Like they put you, like they obviously contact families and stuff and try and put you through to them. Um, from there, I think I went to it. Like I stay, I got extended. Like they extended me like to stay. Um, obviously, because I was an older kid in the system, it's a lot harder to find an older kid in the system, a foster Is family. It? Yeah, because you get to an age where 
like the it's the stereotype comes in and they think that if you're like 16 15 in the foster care system and you haven't been living in somebody's home then obviously you're troubled and then i guess the case says he's moved and moved and, and moved. moved so then they make up stories about what that means yeah. which makes you harder to place yeah so just take me through when you're i'm just feeling very uneasy at the thought of leaving home into that uh the first place you went to as a 12 year old mm. what was that called um, that first the, I don't know what it was called, Carey but it was, it was a carer's cottage in Sydney. I know it was that. And then to the aunts and then to the group home. Yeah. You get there with your bag. You're feeling, I'm sure, angry. Uneasy. Un- You're in territory that you've never known before. With other kids. Yeah. And you don't know them. Kids have behavioural issues like kids are also going through a lot as well so they don't actually know how to behave themselves like I had one kid like look through my window while I was in bed sort of thing like it like very troubled kids um there was also one time like where a child did try to like sexually assault me not that he ever succeeded or anything um but he was doing things that were obviously classified as sexual assault but not to like he didn't never touched me or anything but he was trying to get into that as a kid, but I told them straight away. I was like, oh my God, this is happening, like help. Um, but another kid, he actually eventually did something with another kid where he ended up getting moved out of that house. So you don't know these kids, you don't know their backstories, you don't know if they're troubled or not. Like we were having kids, like I remember, this is my first time at this place and there was this kid, he would have these massive breakdowns and like smash windows and stuff. Like there was things getting thrown at people and stuff. And obviously like, I would never want to do that to somebody, but I would retaliate because, like, I'm like, don't try and fuck with me. Like, I'm try- I'm in this situation myself and I'm trying to get through it, so don't come at me. Otherwise, I might throw a plate back at you if you throw it at me. But, um, yeah, very troubled kids. Who is in charge of this house? Um, the NGO. So they own the place. I think they own it. And then um, they have caretakers. So they have people on shift work. So you get someone to work there from nine to five on a Saturday and then they then you have another person do a sleepover so someone actually stays in the place. So it's monitored 24-7, um, but obviously they're all in the office. They spend most of the time in the office. So you're telling me just children running wild? Running around this house, yeah. Of what ages? You can have it from nine to 17. You're having nine-year-olds running around yeah any age what if they're hungry what if they need to be consoled um it depends on who's working like because i there's this beautiful lady and like i still keep in contact every once in a while with her now like she was so great and that's i think in my situations finding those people that were there to help me really helped me push past all that what I was going through Mm. and so like we would go on drives together like she ended up getting in trouble because we're spending too much time together um and like they think that like they it was sort of like a favoritism thing like she would obviously decide to do things with me because we got along really well um but that was great for me because like it helped me not think about all the crap that I had just gone through you needed yeah sort of pushed me into like oh yeah we can go to Luna Park like we'll do that and not think about oh yeah I just get belted like we don't want to think about that but um 
or you get other care workers that are just there to sit in the office and not even talk to the kids. So these meals, who's preparing food? Who's getting you ready for school? Who's driving you to school? Um, I didn't go to school for a long time. Like a lot of year seven and eight I missed out on. Like my education's very poor because of that. And I, that's why I've never ended up liking school. I ended up dropping out. Um, but they they transport the kids to and from school um, in the cars that they own. That's if the kids are actually attending a school because a lot of the times when you're moving, there's no point putting you into a school around the, in the same district because you're just going to move anyway. Um, but they cook the food. I, I mean, it's very easy food. They all get a set budget sort of thing on how much they can spend per week. Like, So they get, I think, maybe $100 per kid for food, which obviously is a lot, or maybe it's like 60 or something. It's a big number. Um, not that that money actually, or not that all that money gets used. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like they would do schemes as well to help like with kids, like give them pocket money and stuff. Like if they behaved, a lot of the kids would abscond. So they would run around and then police would bring them back. Like a lot of them were troubled. Mm. And witnessing that, I was like, oh crap, like where the hell am I? Do you have a lock on your door? Yeah. So you're allowed some privacy? Yeah, yeah, you have a lock on your door. Okay, so let's move on from this group home to your next placement. Yeah, so I think from this place I moved to um, Windsor and I lived with this family for about a year. Um, She had... So in the care system, if you have your own biological children, you can't get kids that are older than them. Uh huh. Yeah, so you can only get kids that are younger than your own biological children. So this daughter was, I think, 19. So it was fine for anybody to actually move into that place. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved there and there was two guys there already, um, which I got along with. Like, I sort of see them as brothers as well. I talk to them every once in a while. We catch up. Um, But when we were living there, it was sort of the same situation, though, like where I was living at my, my own biological parents, that we were treated as sort of house slaves again. Um, where she, obviously she had maybe some good intentions, but a lot of it came with a paycheck. The, she, the more kids she had, the more money she got. How, how many foster children? She would have like maybe four at a time. And how many biological? One. She only had one, one. that lived in the house. She has two older kids that weren't uh, living in the house, understood. but only one that was living in the house. But in that situation, she sort of made it feel like we weren't a part of the family as well. Like, obviously, it was her biological daughter and, there's like, I understand that you have that connection there, but we were always treated like shit. Like, like we were always treated like shit in stuff that happened. Um, she was, like, obviously favouritised because it's her daughter. Like, I understand that, but um, it's sort of like you can't treat the kids that you're taking into care different like Mm. to your daughter like you have to treat them equally like Mm. if you're going to take on these kids you can't show that there's a difference between the way you're treating everyone biological or non-biological yeah um and so there were issues that arose in that house where like um we ended up i ended up leaving like i ended up having the massive breakdown and like like screaming at the oldest daughter because she was just a bitch and i full lost it at her and then I, I, in the heat of the moment, I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, get, let, let me go. Like, I want to get out of here. And I had, like, a key and I just, like, slid it under my door. I packed up all my shit before they even called my caseworker. Like, but in that situation, it was like, there was great moments. 
as well. Like there were so many great moments in my childhood, which I'll always remember, but you can't always remember them when they're always coming up with crap ones the next day. I remember when I came out as like gay when I was younger in this particular um, household, I thought it was funny. I did it on a YouTube video. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> no, so young. <laughs> and so I did it on a YouTube video and I remember going to school and getting in trouble. Like I literally got grounded because I came out and then she told me that I wasn't gay, obviously. And then so they came into the school and that she took my phone off me and stuff like that. And then I was literally grounded for like two months because <sighs> I made it bloody YouTube video. A coming out video. Yeah. And then she denied your sexuality. Yeah. And so I was like, what the hell? And then um, me and these kids that, um, the two kids that I got along with well, we were all talking shit about her. Like we all wanted to get out. They eventually both got out as well, which is great for them. Man, and how, do you have any one thing like that Christmas teddy or anything that is your anchor? I did. Like, I had that teddy bear for multiple years. I unfortunately lost it. Like, I don't know. Like, it's upsetting that I had lost it because it had such a sentimental value to it. Mm. Um, But, no, I don't own anything from when I was a kid. I don't own anything from when I lived with my parents. Like, I think music. I love music, and that's always helped me. Like, it's my one thing that I've always just done. A lot of the time, I just enjoyed my own my own space like I just like doing things that are creative like getting my mind off those things Mm. um so yeah can I ask the music everything like everything like it is so weird like I'll like Nirvana one day I'll like Pink I like John Elton like it's a whole (laughs) range of different stuff I like a lot of now music so it wasn't like a comfort album it was like anything that was anything like a lot of the time like I will play music as in like my mood Mm. like I'm a playlist fanatic like my Spotify like I have constant playlists as to how I'm feeling but um like it always just it's just a comfort thing I think I don't know yeah I've just, I've just loved it yeah like I still do it to this day like if I'm in a shit mood I'll just put some upbeat music on and then I'm good <laughs> yes um I want to ask you I think you said there is no law when you want to give up your child yeah the situation with your parents was that there was an incident, which I guess was whatever it was, Yeah. that she said, I don't want you, and you said, I don't want to be here, and someone comes in and assesses the situation? Not necessarily. Like, someone inevitably does assess the situation, but because she did drop me in a carer's cottage, it was she gave up her rights to me. So I just don't get that. That, that obviously there's the, the emotional side, which we understand she's disconnected from. But I don't understand how we can just take our child, who we've raised for 12 years, mm. drop them off, sign over the rights. And then walk away. And then that's done. Yeah. Like it's done in in an instant it's not completely done like obviously you go through court as well so like she signs me off um and then they still have the option to take me back but then they go through a court process and the court like here's what she has to say and her reasoning as to why like so and so and then they make final judgment like at the end of it, like that, like I said my dad didn't attend so she was just like I don't want him and the court's like okay 
Like she just it like, just seems very weird that it you is can odd. birth something and then get rid of it. At, and especially like I understand if you've been unsure in pregnancy mm-hmm. and you've kind of got a plan and you've done some research, but in the heat of the moment, you can go and sign your child over as if it's nothing. It's an odd thing. Like, the whole situation is odd. Like, don't understand why she was going to give me away too. Don't even know how she could even just sign someone over. I don't understand. I think, obviously, you go through a court process and they, like, hear her reasoning as to why. Um, And then she has final say. They just agree to whatever it is. Did you ever find out why it didn't happen at birth or at one or at two and why she waited another 10 years? No. I haven't contacted her since I was 12 and I'm now 21, so that's nine years. No contact. I called her once. <laughs> I called her once cheekily because I had a number and then she turned around and she's like, don't you ever call me again. Um, she's like, I want nothing to do with you and that was it. I'm thinking I might have seen her once as well. I saw her for maybe like a split five seconds, but that was it. Did you miss her? No, and that's the thing is so odd. I have no emotional connection towards them at all. Like, I don't see them... I don't see them even as people. Like, they're strangers to me. Even your dad? Even my dad. That you had a soft spot for? Yeah. Like, he he sometimes still messages me on Facebook. Like, my dad and my mum aren't together anymore. Like, they're no longer together. But he messages me and stuff. But I, I don't care. Like... I just got to the point where it was like, I'm doing so well for myself that, like, it's too late. Like, I don't care. Like, I have no emotional connection. Like, I don't even care to rebond anything because there's I've done it. I've done so well. Like, I've done it all on my own, and you I've have. I've done I've done from where I was to where I am now. Like, you haven't witnessed any part of my growth, so why should I show? you who I am now because you're, you're a stranger like I don't even know who you are yeah like you're not the same man that you were 10 years ago I'm That's definitely just... not the same child that I was 10 years ago and it's upsetting for people to hear that I couldn't get to rebond it no but, yeah. I'm not getting upset that you <laughs> oh. don't want to rebond I I'm um so proud that you have such incredible self-esteem mm. and self-worth and have found that on your own. Mm. Like, I'm just really moved that um, you survived and that you are living a beautiful life. To me, that is um, very moving. Thank you. There's obviously struggles in life, (laughs) but it's nothing to what I've gone through. And that's what I think. I say to everyone, like, every one of my friends, like, I'm a Scorpio, so I can be the biggest bitch ever, but I'm generally the nicest person. And it's like, no matter what you're going through now, like 10 years later, is it really going to be as bad as you think it was? Because you can either choose to cry about it for 10 more days or you can choose to pick yourself up and push through because if you push through, you're just going to better yourself because everything we go through just makes us stronger. Mm. Like, it's always a choice in people's minds to either be upset about something, which everyone has their rights to be upset about something, but you can be upset and let that destroy you, or you can go, hey, that's fucked. Let's just move on. Let's let's deal with it, move on, because I can do better. 
if you push yourself to do better than what you were let out to do, you can live an amazing life. Yeah, you are just, <laughs> you are, you are, I don't have words. <laughs> I'm stuttering and stumbling like an idiot. But, um, God, I would be very proud, like, if, you know, my my son ended up being like you. Thank you. With that kind of strength and resilience that is so beautiful. Um, is there anything positive, and there doesn't have to be, about the foster system? There is. I think... I think obviously with without all the crap things that have gone on, I think I would say those memories of those people that were there to help me, like finding those people really make it so much better for you. Like when you find people that aren't there for the money, it makes it amazing for you because you have someone to show you that there is hope. Mm. If you can't find it in yourself, there's that one person that can help push you through that. Like I think, and I think yeah <laughs> that's the only positive thing like there's obviously crap things and there's obviously great experiences as if like Alice Springs and stuff and a bloody computer and things as well but for someone's emotional stability I think that though finding those people it almost sounds like that those people could save lives they can save children but the opportunity for them to do it is so barricaded yeah like I get it like you can't physically have physical affection with kids and stuff like especially when they're in the care system and stuff like that like I'm not saying go hug and kiss everybody on the cheek but be there be there as somebody with a heart-to-heart emotional connection because that helps them more I'm confused because I would feel like human touch connection a hug would be one of the most healing things for a child. 100%. Are you saying that you weren't allowed to be hugged? You're not. Like, they're not really supposed to be hugging you at all. They're not even supposed to be touching you. It's sort of like, I don't know, a code of conduct or something. Are you saying you had very little... I mean, I personally did. Like, I I personally did, and they obviously didn't know about it. And that's the reason why I was, like, favoured and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I am blessed to have had a connection with multiple people throughout my experience, but that it's not, it's frowned upon in a sense, if they Mm. were to ever find out. You mentioned that you went to Alice Springs. Was that something to do with your heritage or? Um, it was to do, because I'm Aboriginal. I didn't find that out until I was 13, but it was to sort of open me up to my Indigenous side, which I never knew about. Um, so it was a great experience. Like it, it's a different, it's an eye-opening experience, I would say, because it is definitely not like Sydney. Mm. <laughs> it is, um, it's very different. Like the way they live life out there, like and stuff like that. It was great. Like the paintings were beautiful. Like we did a lot of, um, a lot of interesting activities, seeing all like the beautiful sculptures and like the landmade. Um, architecture sort of things like with the massive red build like the not red buildings like the red rocks and stuff Mm. like it was a beautiful experience how did you find out about your culture um my auntie told me when I was on your dad's side on my dad's side so she told me she informed me because it was actually my mum that's indigenous but she wanted nothing to do with the culture so she actually hid it from us so I didn't find out until I was 13 from my auntie Wow, it's almost like you're going through a life 
learning who you are yeah. from other people almost at yeah. times. Learning a lot from other people, more than what I should probably learn from my parents. For people that are listening that have comfortable homes, mm. home lives, and when they get sick or when COVID, I mean, you're obviously not there now. Yeah. But in these situations, not as drastic as COVID, but even if you're sick, who looks after you? Who, you know, that kind of TLC yeah. that you need when you're feeling a bit sooky? Yeah, no one. <laughs> you get some cold and flu tablets and some antibiotics and you literally Toughen push up. through. Yeah. And what about if you, like, Okay, you want to go to a party, you're in your teens. How do you navigate that? Like, who I mean, sets the rules? They can't really tell me what to do. Like, at the end of the day, like, I make my own decision and if I have to run it from the house and catch an Uber, I will. Um, but a lot of the times I go with my friends. My, I, a lot of the times I spend most of my majority of my time with my friends' families and stuff throughout high school. And do you are you allowed to sleep the night? Um, I still did it, but at first I was in and I had to get approval and I had to like send my friend's house details and I had to contact oh, them. Okay. It was a massive thing. But after a while, I think they just came used to the fact that I didn't want to be spending my time in that house, that they're just like, okay, we're just going to have to do it anyway. Right. Like if that's what he wants, that's what he gets sort of thing. How are you feeling? Are you like, I just want to be 18. I just want to get out. Yeah. I, I just I just wanted normalcy in my life. Not saying that those kids and stuff and everything that was going on isn't normal for them, but it definitely was not normal for me. Mm-hmm. It definitely wasn't something that I generally would want to wake up to hearing windows being smashed. Mm. So all I wanted, I just wanted to, like I just wanted to get out. I could not wait until I was eighteen. So when what happens the day you turn eighteen? Um, you 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 don't literally leave. Um, Because I was still enrolled in school, I was still doing an education thing, they um, were still able to have me. Um, But then I think I might have left maybe a few months, uh, a month after. And and what happens then? How are you supported to transition into the real world? Um, You're not so much supported. Um, my, My ending was crap. My caseworker was shit. He did nothing for me, did not help me at all. Um, the only thing you helped me with was getting funding. Like they give you funding. So you get funding to set up for like furniture and stuff. You also get funding if you want to buy a passport. Um, I got funding for driver's license, like driver's, um, lessons. So I could get my driver's license and stuff. So you go through like this leaving case plan. So leaving care plan. And then you request like what you want. Right. And then they sort of put it through. Either you get approved for certain things and you get disapproved for some certain things, but inevitably you get majority of what you want. Where are you homed, housed? Um, you, you you have to choose. Either you have to rent, like either you have to put in for your own rental um, or you, if you have a family member, you're going to either live with them. So, but you have just come out of school. I'm assuming you don't have much money. How do mm. you, do you get rental assistance? Um, I was very fortunate at the beginning, um, like of leaving care. I dropped out of high school at halfway through year 12. I only wanted to go the formal, but didn't even go. Um, and then I started beauty. I studied beauty. So I got my qualification in that. 
Um, and then I was actually very lucky that I was able to move in with my auntie in uh, Aladala. Is this the same auntie? Same auntie. You went back and... I went back. And it was cool? It was good for a couple of months, but I, w- I think I lived there for six months. I was on Centrelink and um, I was jobless. And so my, like one of my best friends, she drove up to, she, she would drive up all the time. Like she drove up to Aladala and she drove drive me back like in one day, three oh, hours, six, just to her. see me. I know. And so she drove me up and then I was like, fuck, I'm going for a holiday. Like I need to get away. <laughs> like it was driving me insane. And then I ended up going back down to the Campbelltown, the area I was in. And um, I was like, I was just so sad. Like I just, I wanted a job. Like I didn't want to be jobless. I wanted to be doing something with my life. I was so bored. And um, I ended up getting this job and um, I contacted my auntie like within the week that I was there. I didn't go down to find a job or anything, um, but I ended up just getting one while I was down. So where do you go? You get this job. Yeah, I ended up moving in with my best friend and her, her family. So you get an opportunity to start fresh. Yeah. Tell me about that. It, it's been great. I'm still doing the same career. Like, it's one of the best careers I've ever done. Like, I've worked myself up the rank. Like, I started in Campbelltown and then I went to um, another place and now I'm, like, like one of the best. You're at, <laughs> you're at the best in the industry in Australia. The yeah, best. The best. So it's pretty... I mean, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I started with nothing. Literally nothing. And... I've gotten myself here. Like, I live around the corner from work. Like, I live in a beautiful terrace building and stuff. Like, I've worked really hard. And that's what I say to everybody. I'm like, my biggest thing in life is my work. Like, my Mm. job is my life. Mm. And if I don't have a job, I don't have anything. I obviously have things and it's very... (laughs) But that's my biggest thing. Like, I push to make sure that I am doing the best possible thing I can do. So we need to just say, watch this space, because Charlie is coming. (laughs) Charlie's rising. (laughs) Our final question of the podcast is, who are you when no one's watching? I'm a psycho, honestly. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm just wild. I, I I just love life. Like, I think I'm just happy. I'm happy with how far I've come, with everything I've done. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm crazy. I'm a bitch, resting bitch face 24-7. But I'm also lovable and I'm just comfortable. I'm comfortable in my own skin, but I'm comfortable with where I've gotten. You are so lovable. (laughs) Thank you. You are so (laughs) damn lovable. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You've got me speechless. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. 
During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.